Welcome to Unlocking Innovation, a podcast from EX3 Labs in 1871. We'll be talking to leaders in innovation about what keeps them ahead of the curve in today's atmosphere of rapid change and how they cultivate a culture of innovation within their organizations. I'm your host, Adam Wisniewski. Today's guest is Jamie Boothroyd. Jamie has spent over 16 years at a $244 billion oil and gas company, BP. In his current role as the head of planning, optimization, and pricing, he focuses on technology, innovation, and capability development for fuels in North America. Thanks for being here, Jamie. Thanks, Adam. So you've been with BP for over 16 years. Can you talk a little bit about what you've learned in your various roles? Sure. And it, it, it definitely sounds like a lot, actually, hearing that number uh, coming out of your mouth. But I, I started off, actually, in our, our retail business in, in a site in Cleveland through a program that we'd bring in college grads, move them through different roles, and then uh, off into whatever uh, their, their career may be. But so it's actually sort of retail operations. Uh, so started off in that in, in Cleveland, spent some time on, on the West Coast within retail asset management in a couple of different capacities, had the chance to design and build out some of the systems that we use to manage all of our, our real estate and um, different operations contracts um, on the retail side. And then that brought me to Chicago. And, and most of what I've done in the roles that I've had in BP I've sat on the interface either between our, our trading and supply organization um, and our, our marketing and, and sales teams as well. So a lot around helping us make decisions around um, who we who we sell to, where and how, and how we how we value those different um, different choices, uh, channel management, lots of different types of, of fuel pricing. Um, Elements that, that would lean pretty heavily on on technology, either on the systems that we were choosing to use or trying to solve problems um, for our customers uh, in in ways that maybe could have been a bit different from others in the industry. Had a chance to spend a couple years working for our USC uh, COO as his um, as his executive assistant, and then spun out of that into to various different um, kind of leadership roles within within Fuels North America, and, and currently uh, lead a team that looks after. All of our fuel pricing, uh, optimization of the different channel choices that we have. We've got sort of an advanced pricing agenda that we get to get to look after, and have carved out a bit of a, a niche and space to focus on some some we think is sort of cool innovation um, areas as well. And that's sort of what initially brought us to 1871. So it sounds like you have a breadth of kind of knowledge in in the the various roles that you've played. At BP, I'm curious. Was there something specific that drew you to, to energy and gas? We've had a lot of guests that seem to have fallen in various industries, just kind of uh, by kind of happenstance. But was what drew you to the oil and gas industry, and how how did you get from where you started to where you are so today? I think you'll have another story of happenstance in <laughs> in some ways. So coming out of out of undergrad, for whatever sets of reasons at the time, I, I wanted to work for a large international company. Um, a bit of it was just uh, to potentially have the, the chance to work internationally and, and experience things that I wouldn't get the chance to do to do otherwise. And, and then also I wanted the right fit culturally too. So a place that I felt that I fit in, I'd be I'd be valued um, and could just be myself. And those two things sort of brought me to, to BP. I'm still here 16 years later, so that I mean the cultural fit is still is still very strong. And what I've found 
working sort of in this industry and in this company is it, it is meaningful to be a part of uh, something that matters. So something that matters to society overall. Uh, there aren't many products whose uh, sort of prices are talked about sort of every single day across multiple different um, multiple different news sources. Right. And we're at an interesting time where we're really a part of shaping what the future is going to look like. So be numerous different um, – Get new new technologies and choices and and it, lots of different issues to, to 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 balance all at once and it's pretty motivating to be part of that um, whatever solution derives out of um, the next sort of ten twenty thirty years absolutely and speaking of which and specifically to the oil and gas industry it changes so fast um, how do you prepare and, and kind of adapt to that change especially being a larger company but also in the industry that you're in. So the organization a part a part of within BP is in what's called our, our downstream business. So we 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 find natural resources, uh, extract them, and ship them on on the upstream side. And, and downstream is really much more customer and consumer focused, where we're turning inputs into into products and then uh, marketing and selling them through a number of different different channels. So there's there's different kind of technology journeys across both of those and, and different sort of cycles of, of innovation. Um, and there's quite a bit on on the upstream side. Ours will tend to be much more uh, focused or rooted either in, in consumers or customers in, in trying to adapt um, technologies or different ways of thinking to, to sort of better serve them in ways that we can't today. So it moves pretty pretty quickly, especially on sort of the, the pricing side. Um, again, lots of new, new, new technologies and, and buzzwords to, to – Try to assess their their fit and their value, and how they fit in, and when they fit in, and what whatever you're talking about now. If you can't implement it pretty quickly, it's already old and, and outdated. Um, so I think the way that we that we try to try to think about that one, at least for me, is not to make things too complex because mm-hmm. you can easily over engineer uh, an item or an opportunity and implement it two years later, and then it's already two years outdated. So it's, it's finding the right fit and mix to be able to, to do things in as quick and an agile ma- manner as you possibly can, um, be able to sort of iterate and, and evolve over, over time and always be looking to what's coming and, and, and what's next. So as soon as you're really uh, sort of satisfied with what you have and, and think that's the end-all, be-all, you've, you've kind of missed it. So there, there is this sense of you're never fully complete or finished, um, at least in the space that we're, we're playing in. Absolutely. So a, a lot of the changes we know that the, the oil and gas industry is going through are, are technology-based. Can you talk a little bit about the new technologies that you're most excited about? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm pausing a bit because there's some really cool stuff that I've got the chance to, to hear about on, on the upstream side. And it's really kind of applications of, um, in some ways, consumer technologies, but just applied to, to a to a different app, to a different application. Um, so the same sort of technology that uh, I think Shazam runs on is being able to to, to analyze sort of little vibrations and in, um, in, in sort of cables and in, in wells and actually help predict uh, 
when wells need different maintenance and so forth, which is kind of in, insane that that same technology is doing that. So kind of analyzing yeah. vibration patterns yeah. and, and yeah. almost applying some type of uh, output back to that based yep. on that vibration. Yeah, so there's there's lots of examples of, you know, honestly, consumer technology that's just being applied in, in different ways. For, for me, there's a whole bunch in the advanced analytics space um, that we're, we're starting to work through and really understand um, – how these different how these different technologies can best apply to us, which really always starts with what's the business problem you're trying to solve, and through that you can figure out what's the right applications of, of the different choices that you have. It's just sometimes you can get overly excited around I really want to do something with AI or I really want to do something with a particular technology, and you can actually misdiagnose or miss things if you start with the technology first as opposed to. What are you actually trying to solve and finding the right, the right fit to do that? Absolutely. It's interesting because in that, that scenario of the vibration patterns, I wonder what came first. Was it just a business problem and somebody said, you know, can, can, you know how can we figure out what technology to apply? And, and it, it's interesting because Shazam obviously got mm-hmm. bought out by Apple, so they, they've done something right. So very, very interesting. Um, Specifically on on examples that BP has used technology um, in different innovative ways, are there any other examples you might be able to share around that? Some I can share, some I some I can't. <laughs> sure. So I'll, I can I can take some examples a bit more um, a bit more locally that I think would be probably I mean relevant for broader broader consumption. So there's a, there's a whole larger larger piece of work, not just for us, but Sort of more more broadly around um, different future modes of, of transportation and what what that looks like and, and and how it evolves over time and, and connected cars and things of things of that nature. Uh, so some really good work in in, in thinking and um, beginning investments and starting to shape out of what that ecosystem could could look and, and, and feel like, which honestly is really sort of interesting stuff. Um, there's a really cool mobile app that's that's being launched right now called called BPMe that in, in time will be able to do a lot of really, really cool stuff from a platform perspective. I think we're, we're excited about that could be very, very differential um, to, our, to our consumers. And there's probably another, a bunch of others I could sort of Tap on on to kind of on on the advanced analytics side, depending on what what area we we are. I probably can't go into all the the details there, but um, definitely lots of different parts of, of BP that have a sort of a, a, a thumb on different technologies and are trying to think through the best ways to use them. Absolutely, and I have to imagine that a technology like five G would be impacting your industry quite a bit with the. The ability for data to stream across various device types much more fastly. I instantly think of things like drones and autonomous vehicles mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, so, very exciting time in technology, mm-hmm. especially on the oil and gas side. Transition a little bit and talk about partnerships. You know, obviously, with a $244 billion company, you obviously can't achieve that level of success without really strong partners and, and different um, clients that you serve. Can you talk a little bit about the relationships with some other companies that that have, have led to um, helping to keep up with some of that rapid mm-hmm. change and pace? So there's actually quite a bit of that, depending on uh, kind of the problem that, that's trying to be solved within the industry. Um, and some that I'm kind of pretty 
proud that BP stepped stepped up around have to do with um, sort of solving different different societal problems. Uh, so there's a, a number of different uh, forums or organizations that we've kind of been been founding founding members around that touch a, a number of different um, and societal issues, which is just sort of corporations or governments or others coming together to sort of address a um, sort of a common challenge in ways they couldn't do on their own. So uh, there's lots of good examples that way. Um, from a from a business partnership perspective, it it's sort of evolving and in, in, was kind of constantly evolving. Um, so there's sort of a, a legacy set of, of, of partners that I think we've worked with for a number of, of years that either provide different different services or that we've done um, done deals with. You have a bunch of uh, sort of new new companies starting to to show up or, or getting into the different uh, parts of business they haven't been in before, which is is causing um, just sort of re- rethinking who you work with and, and and how and what you're able to to achieve together. And honestly, just from a, a risk perspective, a bit of of what we do and how we how we do it, you you tend to leverage lots of partnerships in doing that to to share the risk and and, and share um, the investment required to take on some of the bigger bigger projects that we've done over time. So it's just a, it's always been a key part of of what we do, and it just and it continues to to evolve based on the opportunity in in front of you and the best ways to solve it. Makes sense. So you mentioned 1871 mm-hmm. at the very beginning of the interview. I'm curious how how that relationship came about, and also what you feel like you've gained from connecting with with one of the uh, the most well known organizations in Chicago for connecting startups and businesses together. Yeah. So for for us, the initial well, it's kind of embarrassing. We we've been based um, probably three four blocks away from from 1871 for the last five or six years, and it's not until Probably the last two or three that we've we've engaged in a different way, not even knowing that 1871 was here, and it was actually a, a particular um, a, one of our, our senior leaders. I think sat on a, a board with with Howard Tolman, and we kind of did a session over here just to go to one of his his talks and understand his kind of perspective on technology and evolution and how, how things were changing, and that. Sort of prompted lots of lots of thinking and lots of thinking for me for me specifically, and then started to engage a bit differently around. I know there's, I mean, I knew there's something special about about this place um, through the talent, the energy, what we can learn as a corporation, what we can what we can give back, and just began to engage a bit differently to try to start to to figure that out. Um, so I've been from an executive perspective, our our main sponsor or tag into into 1871. I think we're still sort of figuring our our way out, um, but we definitely have the organization here and and the companies that are a part of it sort of built into some of our, our forward strategy and offer development um, as well. So we see a lot of a lot of value here. For me, it's it, it's helpful for the external perspective. Um, Kind of for the the external external thinking, the mindset here. Uh, there's there's definitely um, opportunities that we'll will be able to find by by being here and engaging that that wouldn't take place otherwise. And it's just a really strong open community, which I was very pleasantly surprised. I wasn't quite quite sure exactly how it would function coming into it. I've been just very 
impressed at the the openness and willingness to to help and share really by everyone a part of 1871. Absolutely. And you mentioned, obviously, that the former CEO, Howard Tolman, who was instrumental mm-hmm. in uh, especially leading 1871 to the, the, the initial five years and, and the success that that they've had. Um, were there any specific lessons that you learned from either startups or talks that you, you attended while you were here or just any other kind of lessons that have come out of, of kind of being able to think a little bit differently based on the space? Yeah, I mean, definitely around sort of change orientation and I mean, probably seen four or five of, of Howard's talks through kind of rapid fire PowerPoint slides that you're yeah. trying to take, take pictures of and, <laughs> and try right. to remember what he's, what he's saying at the time. But uh, he would generally always come, come back to that today is sort of the slowest that change will ever take place. Uh, and I never really thought about things that, that way, which really sort of forces you to, to ad- adapt to change and embrace change and, in, in different ways, because sitting still really isn't isn't an option. Um, so I think I've definitely taken away key points that every time I've I've heard him talk, there's always sort of nuggets I'm scribbling down um, for the couple times I've been able to hear um, hear Betsy talk, and then just spending time with the the companies here too. There's always some sort of insight or or connection that I I wouldn't have have realized. Um, without it. So that's been quite, quite helpful. So if you had to, to think about what the oil and gas industry is going to look like, you know, five to 10 years from now, if you had to make some bold predictions, what would you say? So I can probably talk more around the space that we're in and how that could, could evolve over time. And maybe it's not necessarily five, five to 10 years. There's lots of sort of a de- debate industry wise, Really, on when these there's there's change we see. It's sort of a question of when we think kind of that some of the tipping points are. And again, the area I, I sort of am, am more part of um, is the, the marketing and, and, and sales of fuel. So think about kind of convenience stores and the different way that consumers may um, may purchase fuel there. But I easily could see um, sort of the the inside of, of of those stores looking drastically drastically different. Um, how you how you purchase the technology um, used is definitely going to going to evolve and change. What Amazon Go's been able been able to do that type of technology it, it may not be super um, sort of rolled out or or sophisticated in the next five to ten years at, at scale. But there's definitely elements of that that are really interesting. Some more of the frictionless kind of yeah you, experience. you start to start to see things move more move more that way. Uh, I think there's definitely elements of um, sort of re- reinventing what the forecourt experience looks like of, ac- of actually pumping fuel, and there's different technologies that could help enable and change that, uh, change s- it over time. I was going to say, if, if there's any way you can help the Chicagoans avoid having to pump gas yeah. and it, when it's really cold outside, that would be <laughs> be great. I mean, it, it, it's not an experience that people are really excited about, so yeah. little little differences of making it Quicker, better, safer, faster. Actually, kind of matter matter quite a bit. Um, and then we'll we'll see what happens from like an autonomous car perspective. Um, if that rolls out at scale, it has pretty big implications on how how those cars could fuel up and how, how fleets are aggregated and, and sort of the role of 
sort of broader fuel distribution and different debates on if and when and, and how and, and and at what at what scale, but that could be pretty um, a pretty material change. Again, but don't see that in the next five to ten years, but something that's worth um, continuing to, to look at. And you know, I think most of it's really going to be focused on, on better consumer experience, honestly. So if we, if we shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about the specific tactics that you, that you leverage when it comes to innovation, you mentioned kind of agile thinking, agile mindset, kind of workflow. How do you get your team to focus on innovation? So we're probably on a three or so year journey with a lot of um, sort of redefining what our what our team is and, and what we're about and how we're gonna how we're gonna work. And for me, it's always been a bit like a, sort of you're pushing a snowball down down a hill. There's always there always takes um, some initial initial effort and, and energy to get people to to think um, to think differently because it takes honestly in the beginning more more time to do that or to invest in improving something or re- removing a, a, a process or, or automating something through whatever way you do it. it. It takes more time up front, but it's just how you spend that, spend that time. And then the next bit of time or the next bit of time that drives a bit of, a bit of value. So we've been able to do some things that have created a, enough time that we get to invest in people's time and effort and energy and attention on things of, of higher interest and value and, and higher interest of value and once you start having the ability to spend your time on things that are interestful, more of your time on things that are interesting, challenging, meaningful, people are interested and excited in that. Um, so that's kind of the space where we're, where we're at right now, where some of the core pieces we've been able to, to get rid of and allocate time towards, well, not just how do we make this a little bit better, but how do we step change on some of these areas and it's it's that part that we're sort of working to figure out right now. Um, company like BP is it's there's there's lots of resources that come with that. There's also sometimes complexity that comes with it too, based on how we choose to have things designed in, internally. So finding the right the right mix of engaging the right people at at, at the right time to move as quickly as you can, but still. Um, Play effectively within through the broader corporate corporate ecosystem is a bit of the, the not the challenge sort of the opportunity that we're uh, sort of faced with right now, which we'll we'll figure we'll figure it out because it's too important not to. Good stuff. So, if there's a specific advice that you'd give to listeners who are looking to kind of kickstart their own innovation journey, um, what would you give them? Do you need to start with yourself um, yourself first because there is quite a bit of, of role modeling and, and people looking to you as well. So, I mean, be thoughtful of how you spend your. It's, it's simple stuff of how you're of how you're spending your time, um, and what you're looking to change, and what questions you you ask as well. Because people will anchor on that, and um, what you yeah, what you choose to focus on is either going to uh, sort of reinforce or actually be disconnected with what you're saying, which makes it more difficult to move things forward. So kind of start with start with yourself. Um, you, you really just little little bits of difference start to to add up. So it's it's not that you need to find or, or innovate into um, some huge massive massive change. 
small little changes that sort of accumulate over time can be can be very very meaningful. And it's actually sometimes easier for people to get their their head around that because things may be changing, but in a way that isn't so drastic or stark that their mindsets change and they're they're evolving really without even noticing it. It just becomes kind of a a way of a way of working. Um, and then once you have enough credibility built up in, internally, you you then sort of earn the right to try some some different things as well. At least that was what sort of my my experience was. Sort of start start smaller. Lots of lots of smaller things that can that can snowball or snowball snowball <laughs> snowball. I should shouldn't be a hard word as cold as it is outside. <laughs> um, and then sort of once you earn that earn the right um, to do something bigger, it's a bit easier having a track record. You know what? I love so many things about what you just said because a lot of our listeners work for large corporations, and it's easy to just say start big, like big mindset, like go for the you know. Swing for the fences. But in reality, there's a lot of absorption that has to take place, especially with individual team members, leadership teams being able to absorb those types of ideas. And it sounds like what you're saying, one, start with yourself, lead by example. But the other piece is if you start with small incremental wins, they can build up very quickly to a a much larger win that you can then in turn um, be able to deliver even more business value because there's more trust that's allocated towards you related to innovation. Yeah, I think in some of the, the different corporate settings, it's very rare that you get the, the – what you do doesn't impact someone else or someone else's group or team, which means these these big, massive, transformational innovation activities are extremely difficult to do um, because you're not doing them in, 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 in isolation and – People may uh, suggest they're they're ready for that sort of change until it actually gets down to the practical elements of what of what that may mean. So there's definitely a tactical piece around sort of the area in the space that sort of you own and you have control over. And that's the easiest place to easiest place to start. Um, and then you'll you'll see some early early adopters too um, that kind of go, I want I kind of like that. I want I want some of that. Yeah. Um, it just makes it a bit. A bit easier to again work up to, to things that are that are more complex or, or higher value over time. Fantastic. So I'm going to hit you with a few rapid fire questions uh, and just give the the shortest answer possible um, in terms of what you prefer. So you do, do you prefer to work in large teams or small teams? Probably smaller teams. And I think when I'm when I'm most effective, it's probably three or three or four people like to really solve a, a challenging problem. So less friction. Yep. Work with a team of generalists or specialists? The, yeah, so it depends on the problem of trying to trying to solve. I, I like uh, learning from others and having different different perspective on how to how to solve a problem. And I think that can come from either one of those either one of those groups. Um, but yeah as, as as long as the the team well the team members are bringing something different to the conversation could be technical. It could just be different, different perspective. I find those teams most most sort of interesting and successful. Um, generally, I generally I tend to probably lean more on the generalist route because I think I'm myself a bit more broader in my in my thinking. But it's really about the team for me, the team composition and, and having enough diversity of experience and, and perspective um, to make it successful. Makes sense. How about working? In person or remotely, I 
tend to like to be in person, just based on a lot of the, the work that I've had to do probably the past five years or so. Um, a good chunk of that was on our on our trade floor in Chicago, and that's just a very open, collaborative environment where um, ideas are, are pretty organic. You may hear a conversation over your shoulder, and it's easy to to turn around. And uh, some of the the better I- ideas are sort of started by accident. So I I, I appreciate that. Um, I also have a, a not quite a two year old right now, so working at home is a bit more. Challenging. Uh, he doesn't quite understand understand boundaries, which I don't expect him to. So I'm a bit more effective at, at work right now. Makes sense. And I've been to your all's office, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. By the way, I think it's a, a great great space. So, um, so physical canvases or digital ones? I'm a bit old school on the physical side right now, and it's it's probably leads a, a bit towards the the prior question too. As I I kind of take things from. Um, People around me, sort of energy ideas, it's probably easier for me to collaborate and connect things or ideas um, sort of being next to someone. And there's elements of sort of nonverbal cues and, and, and other things that sometimes can be extremely meaningful. Um, so that's just my sort of my legacy experience. I'm probably a bit more comfortable with that. There's, there's actually some really cool digital <laughs> technologies right now that, that make that experience um, – vastly different than than what it was before, but I'm still probably more face-to-face. So the last one is uh, blue sky thinking or focused, very focused problem solving? I probably myself default more to, to blue sky. Um, I can do, I, I can, I've had roles where you've had to, had to do both, um, but my natural default is what's what's possible and let's not sort of self-constrain on on what we have right now so i sort of if unchecked i probably go more that go more that way i love it large corporation corporations need that too <laughs> yeah. right so all right so last question of the day what's the one app on your phone that you can't live without right so right now i said i have a, a, a two-year-old and so there's lots of pictures that are taken it's just, it's honestly just the the basic iphone photos app right now so we shared shared iCloud account with um, with my wife. So it's always sort of fun to see are the new pictures popping up. What are what are they doing? So that's always get a smile from that. And then I'm a big big sports fan. Um, the Bleacher Report team stream is is really good. Um, so the teams that I that I care about, I spend way too much time seeing what's <laughs> what's going on going on there. But I know you've traveled quite a bit. So where, where what fan uh, what uh, teams are you rooting for? Everything connects back to Cleveland, um, so I—that's where my where my family's from. Um, probably sixth grade on through through college was there, and I put in way too much time to to do something else. Um, so obviously, live in live in Chicago and uh, appreciate all the Chicago teams, um, but it's still it's it's Indians, Browns, Cavs, and probably Ohio State. So those those four. Nice. I know you, you all had a really good year a couple of years ago where you had a, multiple uh, teams, I think, in the championships with the Cavs and, and the Indians, I believe. So, it's yeah. It's been a good run, and Browns are starting to um, not be embarrassing. That's <laughs> exciting progress. Good stuff. Well, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Um, if listeners want to connect with you, um, is there anywhere they can find you online? Uh, yeah, you can find me on, on LinkedIn, so uh, 
Jamie Boothroyd, you'll, the, the title that, that Adam mentioned will be there. Again, work for, for BP. Happy to connect that way. Fantastic. Well, always a pleasure, and thank you for being a guest today. Oh, thanks, Adam. Remember to subscribe to Unlocking Innovation wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to rate and review. To stay up to date with EX3 Labs news and events, follow us on social media. We're at EX3 Labs. See you next time.